Well, it truly is a pleasure to be here today. Um, I kind of feel like one of those cousins at a family reunion that people talk about, but they're like, where is he, right? And uh, <clears throat> as Pastor J.D. said, I'm, on, I'm one of the staff members at this church, but this is my first Sunday morning ever being in Kentville. So this is, a, this is a, an excitement for me, and I'm thankful to be here today. And since I am in that weird position of being a staff member here, but also being a guest speaker, because I've never spoken here before, I have to do what all guest speakers do, and that is talk about my family, right? And so here we have a picture of me and of my wife, Melissa, and our 18-month-old son, Asa. And as of last week, uh, we also announced to the world that number two is on the way. So that's kind of what's going on in our lives. We spend most of our time down in Middleton, where we live, in Kingston and Greenwood area. And so I want to talk to us today something that's really been on my heart, not just for the last few weeks, but probably five years. Now, I'll condense it down five years of thinking down to, you know, 30 minutes, but I want to just share something that is, I don't know, been percolating for a long time. About a month ago, I, I uh, caught up with an old friend I hadn't seen in a long time, and this friend was just sharing a bit about what was going on in their life, I did the same, and that friend was telling me how their brother has walked away from God. I don't know if you know anyone in your families that's walked away from God before, but it's never easy, and this family member, this friend was telling me how their brother has, is really smart, really good at debating, and has really gone after like the arguments, kind of like the the hardcore atheist kind of side of things and has come to my friend and just kind of like thrown off the argument saying like, why do you still believe this stuff? And my friend was confessing to me and just kind of being honest, which I really appreciate, saying like, sometimes when you get all these questions coming at you, you just don't have an answer. And my friend was being honest and saying sometimes the, all these questions, they're starting to affect me and I'm starting to think about what do I believe and why? I'm starting to have some doubts about some things. I'm sitting, I'm standing there, I'm listening to this and you know, I can, I can understand where this person's coming from, my friend. I can understand what they're feeling and I honestly didn't have any radical, really wise, timely piece of wisdom in that moment. But it's not, it's, not out of the, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for this to happen, is it? This isn't just a one-off where someone's struggling in what they believe and they're skeptical. Like, I, I heard a stat that actually said that if you have grown up in the church in these last number of decades, there's a 60% chance you're going to walk away when you leave home. Which, if you know what that means, that means that if my son, who I showed you earlier, if he's raised up in the church to follow Jesus, that means he has a slightly higher percentage point of walking away than actually staying. And I don't know, when I look back in my Sunday school years, my youth group years, it feels that way sometimes, that a lot of people walked away. And I'm like, where are you? And today... I just want to talk to us today about this, what do we do? What is our response as believers that are still here? 
What do we do? Culture has changed so much, hasn't it, in the last couple decades? In Canada, I know it's always changing, but it just feels like it's changing faster and faster and faster. Um, just to, to show what I mean is in 2022, two years ago, there was a, a survey in Canada, and it said that many Canadians today consider Catholicism, evangelical Christianity, and Islam to have a more negative effect on society than benefit. Things have changed. It used to be there was social benefit to being religious, but now there's social cost. And if I, if I can be honest with you, I know that people have always been walking away from God, right? Like, if you read in the scriptures, if you read First and Second Timothy, Paul's going to mention some people that have walked away. That's, it's just a given that some will walk away. But maybe it's just hitting me harder right now because now it's my generation, right? They're not just statistics for me, they're faces, they're friends. And maybe it's hitting home also for me because some of the people I've seen walk away, they were the ones that I used to think, they're the strong ones. Like this wasn't the, these weren't the people that were just, you know, on the fence, you didn't know where they really stood, but like these are the ones sold out for Jesus, or so I thought. These are the ones I used to look up to and say, I want to be like you when I grow up. And now I go onto social media and see them just kind of like denouncing everything they ever believed. If I can be honest today, I feel a few things inside. Number one, I feel sad. Is it okay to feel sad sometimes? I have a, a poor picture here, but it's a picture taken that I took from Faith Today, a magazine, Christian magazine in Canada. And it says one third, one third of all places of worship in Canada are projected to close in the next five to ten years. That number one-third is sad for me because maybe you grew up in a, a really thriving, healthy church that's still like that, and I am say praise God for that, but I know in my journey, I have been at churches that if nothing happens, they're going to be part of that statistic, and it makes me sad. I'm also, if I can be honest, maybe on a bad day, a little more pessimistic, I look at the future, and I can get a little worried inside. I can say, at this rate, where's Christianity going to be in Canada in 25 years, 50 years? What, what, is, what is my little boy going to be growing up in? What is he going to be experiencing? But I also tell you this, that along with those feelings of sadness and being worried a little bit, I also have a deep sense of hope. Why? I have a deep sense of hope because I know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that the church has been in much dire straits than this, and it has prevailed. I know that God is still the same, that his promises are still true, that he's still changing lives. We just had three weeks of stories of hope. He's still working and changing lives today. I've got hope today that with Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Today, I traveled the roads from, from Middleton to be here with you, to share one thought. One thing I want to urge you to think about today, tomorrow, and beyond, and that is this. Be all in for Jesus. No matter what's going on in our current cultural moment, will you be all in? Today, I want to turn to John chapter 6, 
And it's a place, like many places, where Jesus is teaching a big crowd. But then it says, Jesus started to teach some difficult things. Hard to understand things. Things like, I'm the bread of heaven. I came down from heaven. But probably most of all, the most challenging thing to swallow was he said, if you want eternal life, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what he says in verse 53. And you know, for us today, we, we look at that verse and we think, oh, of course, but Jesus is using metaphor. He's talking spiritually, kind of even alluding maybe to the Lord's Supper, communion. But when the crowd heard those words, they were like, you want me to do what? And this is where I want to pick up in John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. He says, at this moment, or at that point, many of his disciples, what did they do? It says, they turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked these words, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Sometimes we think of Jesus as this crowd magnet, right? The crowds loved him. He taught Crazy things, he, he healed, he did miracles, he multiplied the loaves and the fish we read about, and the crowds loved him and they followed him around. But then it seems that when he started to teach them things that maybe they didn't really understand or want, they disappear as quickly as when they came. This, this story I am thankful for. I'm thankful to have this story in the Bible. Why? Because often we think Jesus is always loved by the people, but we forget that there was another side of Jesus' ministry. It was called rejection. And it wasn't just on Good Friday. It was at other times in his life as well. You know, anyone can follow a great preacher. Anyone can follow a miracle worker. If you've got a celebrity, you can chase after them. It's easy to do that. But what do you do when the crowds turn and people start heading for the door? What do you do then? That's the question that Jesus asked. He asked his disciples, do you think today, do you think that Jesus, do you think he was bothered when all those crowds left him? Do you think he was bothered? From what I read from the Gospels of knowing Jesus, I don't think he was bothered at all when people walked away. I think he was using it as a teaching moment for those 12, saying, you know, yeah, it's easy to follow me and as a teacher when everyone thinks I'm up here and we're riding the, the waves high, but are you still going to follow me when everyone else heads, heads for the door? And that's a question I want to ask all of us today. This question, what are you going to do when being Jesus' disciple gets hard? When it gets costly, I can't answer that, an that for you. That's something you're going to have to answer for yourself. What are you going to do? I can tell you today what Peter said. He said in verse 68, he said, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words that give eternal life. What caused Peter to say this? Well, he must have had a conviction. What was that conviction? In my own words, it would be this. That no one offers more than Jesus does. 
This is his conviction. You know, this, this fisherman, Peter, he may have not known a lot of things. He may have not had much of an education. But after traveling with Jesus a little bit, he had realized that this guy was the real deal. And even though he didn't understand everything, he had learned that he could trust Jesus even when he didn't make sense. He had learned by experience that Jesus was the best thing that had ever happened to him. No one offers anything more than Jesus does. And I tell you today, I will be 30 this year. And I feel so young. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I made it this far. But I tell you, I had some rough patches in my teens, into my 20s, not going to lie. And I have had times of doubt and skepticism. I've had some dark moments, as all of us have. But I tell you today, the older I get, the longer I go, this is my conviction. More and more, like Peter saying, God, where else can I go to find the healing, to find the wholeness, to find the hope? I look at the world and what it has to offer, and you know that classic thing that we've always grown up hearing, like you want to grow up, go, get a good school, get a good job, be successful, right? Success. Rich and famous, who knows? One or the other, maybe both. That's been a goal, but haven't we seen that play out over the decades that if your goal in life is to have more money or to be more famous so that you can be happy, you can never grasp it, right? It's always out of reach if that is your goal, to be successful and think that is what's going to give happiness in life. There's another belief out there that is becoming more and more common in the last decade, decade and a half. And this is the belief that if you want to find fulfillment, follow your feelings. Follow your heart. Follow this, follow that. Define your own reality. You call the shots. You be God. Worship yourself. And you know, following your feelings is, let's be honest, to our human side, that has a tempting element to it. I'm sure there are times many of us have wanted to follow our feelings and did. But as far as providing fulfillment, how has that been going for us? I, I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like following your feelings has paid off really well. In fact, what do people say these days? We have the most anxious and depressed generations of all time. And I ask God those words of Peter, say, Lord, where can we go? that offers more than Jesus. Of course, has the church been perfect at showing the life of Jesus and his transformative power? No, the church has not been perfect. In fact, the church has done some things that are downright disillusioning, if we're honest, at times. But this doesn't affect who Jesus says he is. Peter has this, commit, this conviction that no one offers more than Jesus. And he tells us in verse 69, the next verse, in how he got there. He says these words, we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Peter is highlighting a universal truth here today, and that's this, that faith and trust are built on relationship. You know, maybe a better translation of this verse would be in the NIV where it says, we have come 
to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come. What does that mean? It means that Peter's faith didn't just, it didn't just fully arrive the first day he started following Jesus. He had questions. He had doubts. He had gaps in his belief. But he, through walking with Jesus, had come to this place of saying, yeah, I don't understand everything, but I know that he's a trustworthy person. It's interesting those words, believe and know. That first word in the Greek gives this connotation of to trust. And that second word, to know, it's not just to know facts in your head, but it's to know experientially, through experience. I, I saw it with my own eyes, that's how I know. I touched it, I felt it, I knew it experientially. And I don't know if you've noticed, but this idea to trust and to build up trust in something and to know experientially, those things can't really happen outside of relationship, can they? Peter's faith today, it wasn't, it didn't happen in an instant. And that should give us some hope today. Because it means it doesn't have to happen in an instant for us either. Jesus is not looking for blind faith today. And if we're being honest, there have been times when, as, as a church... Sometimes we have just been looking for blind faith. And when questions arose, when skepticism came up, we kind of just shut it down and we shamed those people and said, you just got to trust God, right? But trusting God, as true as it is sometimes, is, is too simplistic of an answer, isn't it? And do you know that blind faith is not going to get you through the hurricanes and earthquakes of life? It's not going to hold you. When you need it most, it won't be there. Jesus has so much more for us than just to believe in him blindly. But he wants us to be like Peter, to, through experience and relationship with him, to come to that place where we can say, I believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The crowds were leaving Jesus. Everyone was running off by the droves. And you know, sometimes, as someone 30 and under, sometimes I, I, I feel similarly <laughs> as I've grown up in church. Sometimes it feels like, where did they all go? The question is, though, for us today, where do we go from here? What about us? Um, my mom shared with me this, this past Christmas when I saw them, she shared a teaching moment that God had spoken to her. I don't know if you've ever been just walking through life and then God kind of hits you and kind of says, pay attention to this, right? You weren't expecting God to say something, but he did. And my mom had this experience recently where she went to visit her family, which is about three and a half hours away, to see her sisters. And that Sunday morning, they decided to go to church, which was her home church. This is the church where my mom went to Sunday school. This is the church where she went to youth group. This is the church where she felt the call to ministry from. And she's sitting in church that Sunday morning, and she said she can't help but feeling sad inside because as she looks around, there's maybe about a dozen people, give or take. And that church which once had so much life around it has, you know, like many, slowly dwindled down. And as she's just kind of grieving there in the back, she knows she's supposed to be worshiping God right now. The service is on. And then this, this 
camp song or Sunday school song, they start to sing it. And there's a, there's a chorus in this song that says, we've got Christian lives to live. We've got Jesus' love to give. And they keep singing those words, and she feels that the Lord's just telling her, yes, you can be sad about the past. It's okay to grieve, but what about us right now? No matter whether we're worshiping a church with 12 or 1,200, we have got Christian lives to still live. We've got Jesus' love to give as much as we ever have before. I don't know where you are today, but I want to just say it again. It's time to get all in for Jesus. I don't know if you're on the fence right now. I don't know if, if you kind of have your foot in both worlds. Monday to Saturday, you kind of live like the world. You don't look any different than anyone else. And then Sunday morning, you get polished up and come here. Maybe even genuinely, you want to you wanna follow Jesus, but you're in both worlds. Well, I'm just saying today, the days are soon ending where you can be a Christian and not all in because of the social cost. I have a map here. Uh, Open Doors, an organization, publishes this every year. World Watch List 2024. And this is a watch list of the 50 countries in the world where it is hardest to follow Jesus because of persecution. And I want to just remind us today that this moment, there are people in many of these countries that are in prison just because they believe in Jesus. There are Christians today suffering because they believe in Jesus. There are houses, their homes are burned down, they're looted, their businesses Their churches are burned down. There are people that have been murdered by mobs just because they believe in Jesus. Even justice systems are against them, whether they're innocent or not, just because they believe in Jesus. And all they have to do to make their life a lot easier is just to give up the Lord. And yet they don't. You would think that there wouldn't be many Christians in these places. But ironically enough, some of the fastest growing churches are in these areas. If I was to take a map of the fastest growing churches in the world and overlay it on this map, it would be almost the same. There's a cost. You know, one thing the persecuted church doesn't have to deal with is half-in Christians. You kind of, you're in or you're out. And if you're in, you're really in because you really believe it and you're counting the cost and you're still, you're still in. I heard a mission, I heard a story of a missionary, they went over to one of these countries, to a persecuted church, and they're from the West, and they asked this question. They said, are you not worried of the risk that you put yourself and your kids in by following Jesus? Like, are you not worried for your kids' safety? And you know what the response was? They're like, no. In fact, we want to show our kids that Jesus is worth risking everything for. That's all in. And today we're not in one of these countries, but the question still remains, are we all in? You know, a faith that doesn't ask much from us, it's not going to give us much when we need it. A faith that doesn't ask much of you is not going to be of much value. Are we all in today? My question is, what does it look like to be all in? For some of us today, Maybe being all in is simply starting to ask ourselves those hard questions and look for answers. Some of us today, before we can decide whether we're all in, we've got to figure out where where do we stand right now. 
There are so many Christians over the years that I've seen, they never really questioned what they believed. They just took it from their parents or their grandma. And then when life blindsided them, they just didn't have the roots to hold them in those moments. And for some of us today, I want to encourage you to ask those hard questions and look for answers. I may not give you a great answer on some of the deepest questions that you have, but I tell you, there are Christians that are a lot smarter than I am. There are Christians out there who have given thoughtful responses to some of the biggest questions that we may have. And who knows, maybe just hearing some of those responses can give you some sort of confidence to move forward on that journey of saying, yes, I'm going to be all in. My second piece of advice, if you're searching for answers, is to figure it out in community and not isolation. We are better together. How much more so even with the the serious and the complex and the challenging things of life, we are better together. But I get it. Sometimes we haven't been able to voice our doubts in the church because it was painfully obvious that the church wasn't open to such conversations, right? Um, Maybe some of you know that old saying we used to say in church sometimes, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And you know... On one hand, I get, I get the sentiment, that's a, man, that's a statement of faith. But on the other hand, I don't think we realize what that statement is also saying. It's saying, no questions here. You can't have doubts here. You just got to believe it. There was a study done amongst Christian youth, and what they discovered was that Youth that had the opportunity to express their doubts, more often than not, those were the youth that went on to have deeper relationships with Jesus. Does that even make sense? You know, they, the more you're allowed to talk about your struggles and your doubts and you're wondering what you believe, the more they got through that and were able to go and say, yeah, I believe, which says in a very important topic, and that is this, I think I heard it from Carrie Newhoff, where it's this, it's, this, it's not doubt that is toxic to faith, it's silence. It's silence. I wonder today if, as a church, as a people, as a family, I don't know who are in your families, but if we could be people that don't shy away from letting people that are questioning and wondering to ask us the hard questions, the ones that make us uncomfortable, you know, the ones we'd rather not get into, but we need to ask those questions because if we are silent, if we shut down those conversations, guess what's going to happen? It's been happening. You head for the exit and you go somewhere else and you'll continue to be spiritually formed by voices other than that of Jesus. Are we all in today? My prayer for us is that we would be like Peter's, that we would say, God, I don't know it all, I don't have it all figured out, but I've come to this place enough to trust you and to say, God, there's no other place out there that offers more than what you have. I'm not going anywhere, I'm all in this morning. Some of you, do you know that old song, I've decided to follow Jesus, I've decided to follow Jesus, right? No turning back, no turning back. Do you know the story behind that song? Apparently, many years ago, in northeast India, in the Assam region, there was this, this tribe, the, the Garo tribe, and 
missionaries went there and took the gospel and told them about Jesus. And of course, as is often the case, there was a lot of resistance at first. But finally, there was this one family, and they surrendered to the Lord. They said yes to Jesus. They said, we're all in. And when they became Christians, they were on fire. They started sharing with their family and their friends, and people were actually taking notice, and they were influencing people, and people were coming to know the Lord. But of course, the chief of that area was not very pleased. And so he calls a big village meeting, and he says, everyone come, and he brings that family that's caused all these problems, and he says, I'm giving you an ultimatum today. You either reject Jesus, and we go back to the way it was, or there's going to be public execution today. And that family, they stand forward and they're asked, where do they stand? What's their answer? And in those famous words, they said, no, we have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And so, at the word of the chief, they execute this guy's wife right there in front of him. And he offers the question again. He says, if you, if you want to reject Jesus, fine, we can just stop right now or else we're going to keep killing your family off one by one. And he says these words, you know, if none go with me, still we will follow him. So they, they kill, execute his, his kids right there in front of him. And I don't say those words lightly because I have kids now. They execute his kids right in front of him. And they say, fine, one last chance or you're going to. And that man, knowing that his death was upon him, he kind of looks up and he says with all that's left within him, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. You would think that was the end of the story, wouldn't you? But after the execution of that family for their faith, that community was just rattled to the core. Who on earth would do that. Go to that extreme for this Jesus, this what foreign God. Who would do such a thing? Who is this Jesus? And over time, that whole village actually became followers of Jesus and this song has come as a result of those final words of that dying family. No turning back. No turning back. I wish I could say that story was an anomaly, but I can guarantee you all across the world, there are people that have gone through those things where it's death or rejecting Jesus. There's no other options, and so many have chosen to say yes to Jesus. You know, are we in or out, church, today? If you're, if you're not totally sure, that's okay. You're in a good place. But my, my challenge is, will you work those questions out? Will you seek to find the answers? So that you can come to that place like Peter and say, I'm in. I'm all in today. I don't know what the future holds in the church. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the church in Canada will be smaller in 25 years. But you know what I'm believing today? Is that even if it's smaller, the church of God will be purer. It'll be more on fire for him. They'll be say, we'll be a people that say, God, whatever you say, where you go, I'll go. I'm believing today that the church will rise up when the going gets tough, that when we get ridiculed and mocked for our faith, that we're going to respond in love like Jesus would, that we are going to be faithful 
to God's word and to who he has called us to be, no matter what happens in this cultural climate. These next couple decades, I don't know what's going to happen. We could be in for a wild ride. I don't know how the pieces are going to fall today. But my challenge to you in this moment is, will you resolve in your heart this moment to say, God, even before anything bad happens or hardship happens or before following you gets to be such a high cost, I want to stand here today and say, Lord Jesus, in your strength, I'm all in. Let's pray this morning. Father, with all our hearts, we are just so thankful for what you have done, sending Jesus. We talk about cost and following you, but it was nothing to the cost that you gave for us because of love. And, oh God, I just pray in our hearts that your church in this nation would rise up in this occasion, not in anger, not in in bitterness, not in fear, but we would just rise up in the love and power that you have given your church to say with all our hearts, no matter what comes our way, I'm going through with you, Lord. Where can I go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Lord, may that be our heart's cry. Even if the crowds walk away and we're left alone and you look and say, are you going to leave me too? May we say in our hearts, Lord, no. I'm not leaving. I'm all in today. God, I pray for those today that are still on that journey of they're not sure. They're still struggling, honest doubts and skepticism regarding this faith called Christianity and what it means and what do they believe. And God, I just pray your your blessing upon them as as they wrestle through the hard questions. We all need to do it. Holy Spirit, may you be guiding them. May, you, may they keep feeling your presence and love as they go through that often difficult journey. Lord, may we be a people today that as much as it's fearful to open up the can of worms of letting people ask difficult questions and controversial questions, Lord, we would be a people that says, you're welcome here You're welcome to wrestle through. Lord, may this be us today. This is our prayer. We thank you. May it be our heart's cry this morning to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We thank you in all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.